Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. As always, I want to thank you for being here wherever and whenever you are listening to this podcast. Your presence is much appreciated. If you want to listen to some of our previous episodes, we are available wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. So please go ahead and subscribe. And after subscribing, I'd also appreciate if you could leave a review and give us a five-star rating, as that will enable us to share these incredible stories of these extraordinary individuals with more listeners. And if you want more AIL content, check our uh, social media accounts. Our handle is at an immigrant's life. That's where you can also contact me together with our email address at an immigrant's life at yahoo.com. If you got something to say or you just want to have a chat, I'd love to hear from you. House cleaning is done. Now let's talk about the episode. Champs, we got an incredible guest this week. I mean, GOAT status. I don't want to say anything more except that she could easily be a future Prime Minister of Canada. I'm telling you, she is a badass. And as promised, let's not waste more time. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is a future global political economist. Not only does she represent the next generation, but she also represents the change we strive for today. Everyone, please welcome Divya Sharma. Hi, and hello to everyone listening. Thank you so much for having me. I am very, very honored and very, very privileged to be able to share my story as an immigrant. Um, and just thank you for having me here. Of course, man. I love that you when you reach out, I got excited. I love when people reach out. No, and my friend like recommended this podcast to me and I remember listening to it and I just wanted to like let you know how much I enjoyed it. I connected uh -huh. with so many stories, even you as an individual. I think um, you ask the right questions and the people who, you know, share their stories are able to share them in a way where listeners are able to connect. I for sure connect and I just wanted to let you know how much it meant to me and how meaningful these stories are. I appreciate that. You're so kind. I'm trying to work on, you know, people giving me compliments. I'm trying to be good at it. But thank you so much. That means so much. You deserve every bit of it. Thank you. By the way, who's this friend? Who's this friend? Well, um, I don't know if I can share their name, but they're oh, just okay. a really, really close friend. Um, right. They're actually from Kenya. Um, and I like actually recently met them. So very very like awesome well whatever this person is shout out to you i appreciate you that's the best way to really expand the podcast is really word of mouth you know exactly before we get into too deep why don't you tell the immigrant nation where they can reach you or if you want to promote anything for sure. So I can share my student email. It's shar146 at myu 
manitoba.ca. Um, that's just once again my student email. Please feel free to send me um, anything, any concerns, questions. Um, I'm always happy to connect. And then my personal Instagram is uh, Divya Sharma X. So that's D I V Y A S H A R M A. And then an X. Mm. Why is there an X? I honestly couldn't find like a good username. <laughs> I'm always that's one thing my favorite question with guests with with their username they always have the weird usernames and I always ask why did you come up with that username no there's like a million devias in this world and apparently like I'm one of them and I literally couldn't find any like username so I just put like an x at the end apparently it's like cool to do so anyway so okay uh, I guess the like the latin x filipina x thing yeah something like that I don't know about that. I'm just like you're Filipino. You're Filipina to me. <laughs> don't make it. Don't make it complicated to me. You know. Yeah. That's for me. Obviously, I don't know what your point about that. Speaking of 10 million Divya Sharma out there, I did some <laughs> research on you, and in your LinkedIn profile, you call yourself executive leader. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. So I've actually worked with a couple different, like, I would say organizations uh, in sort of an executive capacity. So I think the biggest one as of right now would be AMSU, which is the University of Manitoba Student Union. Uh, that's something that I recently got elected to. I'm actually getting sworn in tomorrow, which is very, very cool. Congratulations. And, uh, yeah, and I'll be one of the executives as the vice president of community engagement. Um, and oftentimes, like, you know, I was having this chat with uh, an executive leader. Uh, they're the CEO of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. Um, their name's Lauren Rimlard. And we were just chatting about how sometimes in, you know, bios, people will put like woman leader, female leader. And it's like, why do we have to put like female in front of it? Because it's, you're just a leader, right? Like, yeah, it, it doesn't matter who you are. A leader at the end of the day, at the end of the day is a leader. Yeah, me too. I don't like those things. I don't like, like, why? Can you do the job? Yes or no? Yes? Exactly. Okay, boom. Let's go. Perfect. Yeah, that's and that's honestly my belief too. I think a leader should be defined by their qualities, not by like, you know, I'm a female leader. I, a leader is a leader. There's no like two sort of senses about it. Yeah, I agree with that too. Like, I always have this joke that, if you, I'm willing to open the door for you, you should be willing to open the door for me too. Mm -hmm. I 100% you know? agree with that. But I, sometimes I just joke it with my women friends or sometimes I do it with my wife. Like if she's doing something heavy, you know, like something to carry. Yeah. And she calls me. I'm like, hey, what happened to feminism? I thought you can, <laughs> you can do the same thing. Exactly. It's about like equity and equality. And I think uh, as someone who's a female myself, like I firmly believe in that entirety of making sure that, you know, things are in balance. I think it's important. I think um, feminism has different meanings to different people, but I think it's about equity and equality. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people are saying that equity is better than equality. Do you agree with that? I think I would actually, just because equity is more so, so I actually saw this picture and it's basically just like, uh, people are standing outside of like a stadium. Um, yeah, like you're nodding. I'm sure you've seen it. And there's someone who's really short and someone who's really tall. And then there's someone who can see without standing on anything. Hmm. And it's about giving the individual who can't 
see because of their height that sort of like platform to like look above the stadium so it's not necessarily like equality because equality would mean everyone has a platform to stand on but mm-hmm. um or i shouldn't say platform like a you know something to stand on to yeah. view the game, but uh it's about the person who may not be able to see the stadium and the person who does have the ability to see the stadium without that platform to stand on, they should be able to all see the stadium. I've probably complicated it a lot. No, it's a hundred percent. I love that. Yes, that meme. Whoever made that meme is so accurate. Exactly. You know, I love it, and a lot of people, even like on like famous podcast. I think even Joe Rogan mentioned that certain meme. I'm like, yo, that meme is fire, man. I know. It's it's incredible. And I think um, illustrations have such a like strong messaging. It, hmm. I think, oftentimes comes across better than words. And that's one of my favorite illustrations of all times. <laughs> yeah. Too bad we, we can't give credit to people that makes meme, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to see the, you know, the artist behind it. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of equity, equality, and all that stuff, I want to ask your opinion about this. People of color versus colored people. Why Why is it a big deal? I know the history of it. The history is from America, right? Like slavery. But mm-hmm. in, a, in Canada, yes, there were slavery, but it didn't really continue as Americans did. Do you think we should just say what we want to say like color people or people of color or does it really matter does it really matter i think people should be able to self-identify as what they uh you know best fit into like whatever category they identify with i think it's actually like a power move to be able to say yeah i'm a person of color or a colored person whatever like you know you want to identify as uh mainly because back you know, I think this is also important to mention. People think that slavery, like your average American, I learned this in my uh, history class in high school, and I so this like stat boggles me. People, <laughs> in, your average American thinks that slavery lasted like 50 to 100 years. Slavery actually lasted in America for over 500 years. And that <laughs> like shocks me. Like it's, it's incredible. I think, um, it, first of all, it's just like, it's mind boggling how, you know, people will just see something online and believe it and not do their research. And I think once again, just coming back to the question of like, should people, you know, identify themselves as people of color and colored person? I think it's important to recognize what your history is and where ancestors came from. I, and honestly, like I, I believe slavery is still present in the world today. Cause once again, I learned this in my history class, one of the best classes I took. There's more slaves in the world today than there ever were before. And I think it's important to recognize that oftentimes people of color have been oppressed, if not all the time. And I think it's a power move to be able to say, yeah, I'm a person of color. I'm taking my power back and I'm going to change the narrative and I'm going to recognize what has happened, but I'm going to move forward to make sure that my people are recognized and make sure that we have equity. A hundred percent. Yeah. And since ever since the first human came to this world, there's always been slavery. And unfortunately, 
I don't think it's gonna stop. To be honest, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just an, it's the nature of the beast. Like a lot of people saying, oh, you know, the white people enslaved the the African Africans and these people slave. In my culture, we are we had slaves. Mm-hmm. You know, we we enslave each other. However, there's a different way for our slavery. Uh, for us, we can you can actually buy yourself out of slavery. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our thing. That's our Philipp, that's our Filipino way. This is back before the Spanish came. There were yeah. three three different kind of slaves, and all of them can buy themselves out of slavery. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I actually had no idea about this. I well, I need to do my own research. But yeah, def- definitely. Why are you so? Um, why are you so passionate about this topic, about representation of immigrants and people of color? Mm-hmm. So once again, like I'm a person of color, uh, I am an immigrant. I saw how much effort and how much my parents pushed through in making sure that I had the best opportunity, my family had the best opportunity to have growth here. Honestly, if you're not like if you're living on Canadian soil and you're not indigenous, you're essentially an immigrant. Mm. You have come to a foreign land or your ancestors have come to a foreign land for a better life, for a better future, for resources. And once again, this can be dated back so, so far back um, to the point of colonialism. And we were sort of um, like not us particularly, but the people that came here who colonized Canada just took the land like Hmm. they just took it and once again it's it's not just Canada that went through this it's our own countries like the Spanish came to the Philippines Mm -hmm. uh the British came to India and like Latin America was colonized um South America was colonized like the British and all these like countries in Europe colonized people of color colonized a lot of the countries where immigrants came from and they're still profiting off of the stolen goods like the british museum uh, there's so many artifacts from like literally all around the world and they're profiting off of it to this day yeah when immigrants push through that and they recognize everything that's happened to them everything that's happened to our ancestors and they still are optimistic and they move forward and they come to these countries they work hard like this nation Canada and even the United States has a been built on the back of like slaves but also on the back of immigrants like we are like when the Chinese immigrants came here they were the ones who built the railroads Mm -hmm. when you know all these and this isn't like a recent thing like this has been happening for countless years and we've contributed so much to the canadian economy we still do um and i think we deserve that representation that recognition and of course i think there's a huge element of indigenous reconciliation that comes and i think that also needs to be recognized that we are on land that was forcibly taken from indigenous peoples and we're on their land and i think there we have a we have a responsibility for reconciliation i think that it's important to sort of bridge that gap between indigenous peoples and immigrants because there's so much in common like the idea of storytelling the idea of uh not having like land ownership like Mm. indigenous people don't have this idea of land ownership they 
are so focused on sharing and this idea of living together. And I think mm -hmm. that's so common within countries where we come from, where, you know, our, our ancestors were surrounded by these ideas. So it's just recognizing that relationship. It's recognizing that we've, as an immigrant community, worked hard. And it's, it's important that we get that representation and recognition. Yeah, 100%. I like what you said about, you know, our ancestors or even Native Canadians that that they, they're so busy like sharing instead of just keeping. And I think, I just had a conversation with a friend about this, like, I think that's, that's where materialism came from. Because they, they're so busy, you know, saving all this whatever material products, while our people are just like, hey, Divya, do you have some sugar? I got some salt. Let's swap. Mm -hmm. We share, you know, like, the, I, I think that's where it comes from. Do you think that makes sense? Yeah, 100%. I think, um, once again, like indigenous peoples and immigrants, our cultures where we come from are so similar in, in regards to sharing, like I'll give my, an example. So uh, in India, if like, during even like festivals and stuff, like, I remember going to like our neighbor's house and giving them food. And like, we have huge weddings, like massive weddings. We have like 2,000, 3,000 people at weddings. <laughs> You're inviting like your barber, your neighbor, their, you know, like your neighbor's uncle or aunt, like whatever. Like people come together and they celebrate together. And it's not just about like, you know, an individual. It's about a community coming together to celebrate. And you'll like... You know, there's a thing called a barat where basically like people, um, the like the couple will like go around the city or wherever it is, like your um, little uh, town? neighborhood or town, neighborhood yeah. or town, and people will like join in as you're like walking. And I think that's such a beautiful thing where you celebrate together, you share together. Uh, and I'll give it another example of a Gurudwara. So when I was younger, I used to vol that's where my volunteering journey started with my grandpa. We went to Gurudwara, which is uh, a Sikh religious institution. Uh, mm -hmm. And one of the biggest elements is um sitting together and eating and everyone sits on the floor and eats and the food is completely free uh there's um a place in india called the golden temple and it's one of the most sacred spaces there and it's just whether you're a king or a queen or you're a peasant you everyone sits on the floor everyone shares a meal together and food is unlimited like no matter what time of the day you come at you will get food and it's it's just so beautiful and i remember like very young I wanted to like give people food uh, I was like 10 like 9 or 10 um, or 8 or 9 and there were like these really heavy baskets of like bread and I like literally like wanted to carry them and I'm like oh my gosh it's just such a beautiful uh, element of our culture and indigenous culture yeah it feels so good to give out you know like exactly like sometimes I'm eating I'm like by myself I'm, like I want someone to eat with me yes you know, even like I don't have much. I want to like, hey, come eat with me, you know, share mm -hmm. the food with your friends. I remember when I was new here, I was working in a fast food joint and the next restaurant, my sister works there. So we took a break together and we're, we're sitting together and a friend of mine was, well, 
a coworker join us, mm-hmm. and my sister was eating. She was eating French fries or whatever, and I just like went over, like reach over, grab a French fry, and I start eating. You know, and yeah. the, my coworker who's Caucasian Canadian, she's like, "Hey, that's so rude of you." I'm like, "Why?" I'm like, "That's her food." I'm like, "That's my sister." She'll do the same thing to me. That's hilarious. But, you know, majority of people that, you know, that grew up here, they don't have that idea of, like, sharing your food. Like, as much as it's not, for, I guess for them, like, oh, you need to have boundary. But food is food, man. It tastes better when you share it. I fully agree. And honestly, like, I think that's so, that's such a great um, part of like Filipino culture because um, my mom um, she works at like Canada Life and you know she has a very big like Filipino team and they have a potluck every Friday every single <laughs> Friday they'll bring in like so much food and they'll like share together and it's just so beautiful and they're like they have a very diverse sort of like company hmm. um and specifically my mom's team and there's caucasian people there's black people there's filipino people indian people and they're te- like filipino people are literally teaching other people to share food and that's just their because this has been happening over such a long period of time that's their office culture now and i think huh. that's another thing that immigrants bring to the table where we're like sharing our culture and i think that multicultural and diversity that we bring Mm. and the different lenses and perspectives that we bring are so unique to each of us and i like i commend so many filipino people for like sharing thank you i love the i don't know what it's called but it's like they put like plantain and there's like yeah that yes and it's like, it is here. i love it it's so good it's so that's why good. that's our that's like you know people sometimes call it shanghai roll I'm like yo 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 one minute <laughs> mm-hmm. shanghai roll is good but lumpia is something else it's delicious yeah, i love it's deli- it. like i that's i take pride on our food uh, unfortunately we're not as famous as you know thai food or vietnamese mm-hmm. food, even indian food we don't have that person that we can say like is there a guy <laughs> that would say like this food is delicious because our food is so even our culture but to go back to our food is we have the spanish spanish the the, mm-hmm. the chinese we have the indian cuisine with us mm-hmm. you know we have curry and whatever it's not as good as you know indian curry but it's curry you know <laughs> but yeah, I, I going back to what you said about sharing culture what's your opinion about cultural appropriation when does it become appropriation and when does it become just a sharing culture i think that's a really great question and i think um i think this is where like boundaries can come in or maybe should come in Hmm. uh i i think there's various aspects to it uh simply if case so if let's say i have a friend and we're going to like an indian event they're like so what do i wear right and they genuinely want to be involved in the culture and they genuinely want to share that space, that um, identity. I'm more than happy to be like, hey, this is what you should wear. I actually have a friend. Um, she, I like she had her birthday very recently. Um, we're really, really close. And 
she is so so amazed by indian culture like she's so integrated into it and i love it and we she's chinese so we like go back and forth and we share a culture mm-hmm. uh and she loves like traditional clothing and she she learned like the language and everything and she eats like indian food i eat chinese food it's like mm-hmm. we share all these things together and i knew she really wanted like uh this scarf Thing. it's called a chunni and basically it's just like a long scarf and it can be of different materials and i really really like she really wanted one so i gave her one for her birthday and i think she and she wears it to like gurdwara the gurdwara or like a real like religious institutions and i think it's just so beautiful that we're able to exchange that culture hmm. uh and i think that's where it's like cultural appreciation where you appreciate the culture someone gave you something to wear and you're wearing it and you're you know rejoicing in that cultural appropriation is if you just um I, i'll like i'll give a very specific example uh you know there was this time like coachella where people like full-on like were neat like they'll wear elements of like indigenous clothing <laughs> and i'm like what like what is happening or they're like wear like like black braids and it's just like like that's just where the line gets really iffy because of that colonial past i think if you're someone who wants to you know learn about the culture and you have a friend who you know maybe teaches you the right things to wear and the right occasions to wear it to like something like coachella where you know it's like a music festival and it's it, it it's not really the right space to maybe exercise that mm. if you're if you don't belong to a particular culture and you're appropriating that but mm. if it's you know within a respectful means the time and the place is right and you have someone to tell you how to wear something what's appropriate and you're really like embracing it rather than just having as like a show-off kind of thing i mm. think that's cultural appreciation rather than cultural appropriation Well said, well said. Let's Thank go back a little bit with you. Let's talk about you a little bit. For you sure. moved here in Winterpeg, actually, specifically. <laughs> <laughs> when you were 10. Uh, what was the reason? Why Winterpeg? <laughs> I ask my parents that every day. <laughs> I know, but in all seriousness, I do love Winterpeg. This place has given me so much opportunity. When Winterpeg is my home, we're like we actually just had our first rain today. Um, that was really great. I, I mean, like we're so close to May. I, if it snows one more time, I'm actually considering moving to Toronto. So um, that's that. But I moved to. I'm fortunate enough to move to Canada with my family. When I was about 10, I moved with my mom, my dad, and my brother. Mm. And what I what my parents had told me at the time was that, you know, we're just going there. And I'm like, oh, we're gonna go to like grandma's house. It's kind of like a grandma's house trip where we go for like a week or two, maybe a month at max. Mm. So we're here and you know, a couple of days pass by, blah 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 happens. I kid you not, I cried every single night. <laughs> it was awful. And I would call my... So in India, we actually have a joint family where I have, like, uh, my... So we live in a big, big, big house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live with my parents, my brother, uh, my grandma, my grandpa, my uncle, and my aunt. And at mm-hmm. that time, they had one kid. Now they have two kids. So we live in, like, a huge family, first of all. So I'm used to living in this huge family. We come here. 
there's like we we I have my cousins here but it's you know it's not the same because you're not <laughs> living with the same people but I'm really thankful that at least we had some family here I know families who had zero like no one here um so I'm thankful that there was that element but you know I kid you know I cried every night and I'm closest <laughs> with my grandpa so I'm like I'm bawling my eyes out every single night and I go to bed crying like it's it's awful and i moved here during like july uh, it was july 18th specifically so we moved here then and i just it was like during the summer and we went to like you know the park at like my school at the time um and it, it was it was like the summer break so i hadn't like gone to school per se but we knew there was a school that would be going to in september so mm. we went there and there was this daycare program i had no idea what a daycare program was. <laughs> so i'm on the field and i see a bunch of kids right and as a kid i'm like i want to play blah, blah blah so i go up to one of the kids i'm like hey um i think you need a partner like can i be your partner and he goes and tells the teacher and the teacher's like are you in daycare and I'm like what is that and then she like explains it to me I'm like no and she's like sorry you can't really play with us and I'm like what <laughs> like it was the most weirdest sporting concept to me and I run back and I tell my parents and it's just like and then we went on the swings and whatever but that like it was just such an odd feeling like you feel like an outsider and also everyone has like something like there's these things called like Timbits where it's like a soccer team like for kids um that's i assume sponsored by um tim horns and people had like camping and hockey or whatever you know like the sports element some people did like gymnastics ballet whatever like they had their little niche mm. as a kid like i had i had nothing to connect to when i was here like i was just you know at home crying talking to my grandma like that was what i did and and then when i went to school like things felt a little bit more normal but um the reason why we moved here was because um, there's a couple reasons, but the biggest reason I think for most immigrant families is for better opportunity and better mm -hmm. education. Definitely. And just overall better life. Mm -hmm. Why Winterpeg though? Why Winterpeg? I honestly still have no idea. I think that this is where like my parents uh, got like placed at because um, mm. there's whole like program um when you're like immigrating and you're applying and all of that so it actually took them like two to three years to like get a visa which was really crazy like um they my mom had to clear like the uh there's like an IELTS program I believe mm. um where you have to like prove that you know enough like English and you know enough about certain subjects and it's like this really hard exam and you have to score a certain amount and then you get a certain amount for having a family you get a certain amount of points mm -hmm. for having young kids and it's just like this entire like point system that's yeah. so it's solely based off of so I think we got placed here I'm not like fully sure but I'm, yeah. I'm glad we moved here, though. Dude, dude, I found out about this IELTS uh, uh, exam. I was like, I will never pass that exam. <laughs> there is no way I'm passing the exam. You have to speak English fluently, properly. Uh -huh. I speak English, but I speak, like, from the streets, you know? <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't even know and what you know I'm, what's like. Mm. You know what the craziest part is that there's some like Caucasian people who like know less like verbs and like nouns and like all the apostrophe, like all of that than like people who have cleared that test. Like that is 
proper English. Like, it's just like English is so complicated. And that's like the most intense version of English. When you come here, it's like, yeah. it's not the same. Yeah, it's like my jokes with my uh, Canadian friend is like, when I say something that is, they say, quote unquote, big words. Yeah. <laughs> I will be like, you, this is your language. You thought as this language. You should know this language. Why am I explaining this to you? Yeah. <laughs> this is your language. <laughs> but it's, they, That's they, so funny. But no, it's like, it's so... I see the point of the test. Of course, yes. you ha they have to know that you can speak English, right? For sure. But it's ridiculous. Like, you have to be... you. Apparently, you have to know people's accent. Like, Australian... English. Yeah. I'm like what the bro it's so weird and also like when we when i came here i remember like we did this um standardization test in like i was in grade five and they did this test where you would like pronounce um certain like like phonetically you would pronounce like a b c d e and i failed that miserably like it was awful um and then they had to like he had to explain everything to me and I had to like learn it from like scratch. Like I knew English when I came here because I went to like a private school in India. It was very colonial. But mm. um, anyways, when I came here, it was like very different. You had to like learn everything from scratch. But I fully agree with you. I think immigrants have to do a lot more work and learn a lot more English than they a should. Lot. It's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> like why am I learning this thing that the people... That invented this word doesn't even know how to say it properly. <laughs> you know, it's so silly, man. It is so, silly. So you were 10 years old. You're getting to preteen. You know, you have that Indian background. Now you're going to try to learn to be a Canadian. Mm -hmm. How was your experience growing up as a Canadian teenager? And then with the complexity of your Indian parents. Mm. <laughs> Wow, you're asking all the right questions. <laughs> this is why I absolutely love your podcast. Like you're, you ask the questions that like people need answers to. Appreciate um, so this is giving me like the craziest answer ever. So first of all, my parents were rarely ever home. Like they work their ass off. They work so freaking hard. It's insane to me. I am. I will forever be grateful for all their sacrifices mm. first of all like my mom cleared the like the alice test and I'm, I'm in shock she actually scored really really well it's it's shocking to me then when she came here she would work day and night day and night like day and night and my <laughs> i would do the same and we were ne they were never home ever mm. and i don't like blame them for it but it's like my friends would have their parents home all like my a lot of my Caucasian friends would have their parents home and a lot mm. of like other established immigrants would have their parents home. I mm. didn't have the opportunity to have that for a lot of the time. And once again, I understand that they had to work hard and it's, it's so it's complicated. It's, it's a very like complicated relationship and I had to take care of my brother. So that was the other piece. So I had to take on a couple of different roles as, you know, like the oldest in the family, the female in the family. And mm. I think that also has its own complexities to it. Um, my parents weren't able to make it to my grade six graduation 
and I it was it was very heartbreaking. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so they, sorry. Were, they were literally working and I like I still remember the day and I was everyone had their parents there and people were like sitting at the front like kids were sitting at the front and I remember like trying to look and I couldn't see my parents anywhere and it was so heartbreaking it was so heartbreaking well I um thankfully I had like you know, teachers and my friends um, had their parents. So they were able to like share some pictures and, um, but they did come to my grade six concert. So I thought that like kind of compensated for it, but they missed my grade six grad. They did um, not take a day off? No, I don't think they were able to, or like, they were just like, I'm like, honestly, I don't think they were able to take the day off. <laughs> so that's that. Um, yeah and honestly my dad's a truck driver and i like so be and this was, i think this is another completely different element to it where um so my mom was a teacher back in india and when she came here she had to start working at 7-eleven hmm. that's insane to me like that shocks me i like she has a bachelor's degree in mm -hmm. science she taught for like so many years like so so many years she's a great teacher i like she actually taught me too um i did awful in that class but that's okay um she it's just like it just shocks me how like how immigrants aren't matched to their skills and i think that's still an issue um mm. to this day and my dad actually worked at a laboratory in india we owned our own laboratory and he worked there and when when he came here, he started working on like a flour mill, and he used to ca carry like these really heavy bags of like flour mm -hmm. around. And that once again shocks me completely. I am like it blows my mind how we went from living so comfortably in India and how these in like my parents abandoned that lifestyle, came here for us, work like like below minimum wage jobs, like jobs that they they could have like easily gotten, but they could have gone higher level jobs that matched their skill set that they worked hard for. Mm. Um, they, they got their degrees in that they have experience in. And that's still an issue to this day because I worked for the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. And that's still an issue that we continue to explore where I worked on like the newcomer employment hub that, you know, tries to match um, newcomers to like just jobs in general, but also like jobs that they should be allowed to have and i think um the government in general needs to just do a better job at this uh so that you know people are able to fit their skill set and they're able to use their abilities so yeah like there were a lot of complexities to coming here i respect my parents so much and i have so much this is why i have so much respect for immigrants and international students who like go through all of this and it's like it's this is why we deserve like representation and this mm. is why we deserve re recognition and respect because mm. it's amazing. Yeah. That's one, one main reason of why I started the podcast mm. It's because of this story. Your dad, a badass in India, boss comes here. I can just carrying flower. And yeah. he just took it like a champ because mm -hmm. he knows it's still better here. And he knows that it's still Better, a chance of giving a better life to you and your brother. Yeah. And your mom, amazing teacher. You know, all the credentials, 7-Eleven. You know, like there's nothing wrong with the job. Nothing wrong. But nothing like you, wrong. But, but like you said, like, she, this is like a Ferrari racing against Honda Civic. 
exactly exactly it's like it like i think it's a like it's just if someone has experienced and they built up like all that work to get to that level like once again there's nothing wrong with 7-eleven job i've you know my mom worked at a 7-eleven job my friends worked at 7-eleven whatever it's just like it's just like if you work so hard in your life to move up and you have experience and it's just it's unfair it, it's unreasonable yeah yeah what do you think can the government do for those kind of immigrants that are well well educated and mm-hmm. coming here what are what do you think what kind of program do you think we should work for those yeah i think i've had so many like conversations around this um i i think one of the biggest and the best solutions in my eyes would personally be to have a standardized testing so this happens sort of with like law specifically where if you know if i go to like oxford like somewhere just outside of um canada to get my law degree you'll have to come back and take an examination that uh, allows you to like show that you're able to uh you know operate in the canadian system Hmm. um for if you are let's say like a doctor that comes to canada and you have to retake your entire education and you have to re like start from the very very bottom and for even for my mom like when she came here like she would have to redo everything like she'd have to make sense get a different and i think it's so unfair because you're losing that a now you're investing you're investing money in education you're losing time you're already like you know just trying to like get by you're trying to make a life here and now you have to take on all these different things Mm -hmm. um so the best option at that point is to once again start from the bottom get a job start making money right away and that's what's been happening for so many years but if we had just you know a standardized testing system where people were able to practically show hey i'm able to you know if they were like working at a laboratory i'm able to uh correctly draw blood administer xyz um be able to take samples analyze those samples like if i'm able to show you that i'm capable of doing this i have experience and this is my proof and you know that shouldn't take more than like a set amount of time um even a month a year maybe like whatever that duration is but why do they have to retake everything from scratch like that it just boggles my mind it doesn't make sense yeah see i like that what i like that your idea the standardized test right that mm-hmm. can you do the job abc whatever exactly once you pass that immigrant will pass another thing that didn't exist before to me before i started the policy is the canadian experience mm-hmm. which is I get it. I get it that the government, the company says, okay, we don't know if you can do the job, right? Mm-hmm. But if you have this test that the government says, no, actually he can do the job. Mm-hmm. I think that would help eliminate this Canadian experience. Yes. I couldn't agree more. But again, that falls into the discretion of the company if you will actually hire a person that's you know, from India or from Philippines for whatever, right? Yes. Because I actually just had a recent conversation with a, a family friend about this because she is a supervisor in a company and apparently she's a, she's supposed to hire like, you know, people of color or immigrants, whatever, but she's having problem. 
because、mm-hmm. some of them has there's some language issues.、Mm-hmm. Some of them they can barely write an email apparently or whatever.、Mm-hmm. I, I think this is this beautiful idea of yours that ta- standardized tests that will eliminate this. That okay, you can speak, but you can't really write.、Mm-hmm. You know, I like this. Please do something with this. I'm gonna support this idea. <laughs> We need this idea. Thank you. Well, it's also just like it also helps like match people to their skill set. Like if you're able to do certain things, and if you're not able, because some people are gonna be better than certain at certain things than others, and that's that idea, like that that whole idea of equity instead of like equality, where、mm. you know, some people are. Better at some things than others, so、um, you are matched with the thing that you're best at. So we're all able to benefit from each other. That's a basic, basic concept in like economics.、Mm-hmm. And I, if we're able to use that to our advantage, and we're able to work together as a society and allow for immigrants to thrive, then I think it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, well said. I love that idea. I love it. Let's、Thanks. talk about something else. <laughs> During the pandemic, while some people decided to pick up new hobbies, you instead decided to make care packages for frontline workers, which was recognized by UN Sustainable Development Goals. How did you come up with that idea? I was busy trying to survive, and here you are trying to save the world. <laughs> Thank you so much. So basically. It honestly just comes back to this idea of like immigration. It, the idea just came. To me, from my dad, and I was 15 at the time, so I like I was this naive kid. You know, I saw my dad coming back from like a week long shift, and he was exhausted. <laughs> you know, everyone's staying home. I was staying home.、Um, people were staying home, and people were, you know, like literally just trying to survive. And here, these frontliners were going to jobs during COVID. Like every, they, they were. It was so like. An agitated climate, like that we were around,、um, and I remember my dad like going out wearing his mask, like coming home, staying in like a specific area, making sure that he doesn't like, you know, infect other people. He would like Lysol wipe clean everything.、Um, he was so like, hey, when you come home, wash your hands. I'm gonna watch you do it. Blah blah. blah. He was very intense on it, but he still went to his job. So I watched him do that, and it was just like. Wow! Like, not everyone can do this, and this was the case with truck drivers, for a、uh, firefighters, doctors, nurses, you know, healthcare professionals, police officers, like all these essential workers that were constantly out while we just we were staying at home trying to survive and live, and I really. Like wanted them to know that this was appreciated, so I started off by contacting like local banks, and I'm like, "Hey,、um, would you be able to provide me with a grant?" And I got a really,、um, I got a couple grants from、uh, from the Assiniboine Credit Union, and then、uh, the Bank of Montreal. They did like some in branch fundraising. Wait,、um, sorry and- for cutting you off. Yeah. How did you come up the idea of talking to these banks? I don't like when I <laughs> did your research. I'm like. This girl is smart. Like how I don't I would not even talk to the bank. It's just like honestly, I was just so. I think that's such a beautiful part of being young, and like even not just like young, but like I think this is also very common, like immigrants, where it's like the pos. We think in such a way where like possibilities are limitless.、Hmm. Like 
who would have thought that you know like my parents my parents just like abandoned literally like this perfect lifestyle and came to Canada <laughs> like what it's shocking to me so I feel like it's as a young person as someone who who's an immigrant I'm constantly thinking of like ideas that sound crazy to people like I've told I've done things that like people are shocked by and mm. like my like I'm shocked by what my parents do I'm shocked by what other immigrants do and sometimes I shock myself and um through I sort of like this experience uh because I was so like involved with uh student council and all these other you know different organizations I had seen like people not like reaching out to banks but like reaching out to businesses and I'm like I actually reached out to a couple different like businesses but um got rejection which is fine which Mm. is fine because it led me to the right like institutions because I like I actually dropped off letters at like certain stores and also you did literally write wrote letter and then gave it to them Yes. And I I wrote like letters and my parents, so we would be like going to superstore and then I would be like, Hey mom and dad, like I, I'm like, I'm going to go with you. And then I would like drop off letters. And then I did so for like a couple of different, you know, organizations. And I sent like, like follow-up emails and all these different things. Um, Cause honestly, like at that point, because everyone was staying at home, there was literally nothing better to do. Like you either watch TV or you do this. And I'm like, how much TV can an individual watch? So oh, I like, you better believe they can watch shows <laughs> after shows after shows after shows. <laughs> okay, this is another thing about me. I don't watch like shows or like movies or anything. Hmm. It's just like I don't know. It's like not really my thing. You read a book? Um, I do. I love hmm. books. Yeah, love yeah. books. Ten yeah. out of ten. Um. I think books are such a great source of like knowledge and stuff. And mm. it, there's so many books by like immigrants that mm. are like incredible. Um, I will share those later, but uh, back to the topic. So I reached out to like these banks, blah, blah, blah. And I got, um, you know, donations from uh, the bank of Montreal and then, um, I said more credit union. And they were like, these were the people that like truly believed in me. I made like phone calls and everything and um, talked to bank managers. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. Like this is, this is honestly like what gets me going. Like being You're incredible. You're incredible. I'm they, like, I would not even, first of all, I would not even think of idea, this idea. I'd be like, I'm busy eating, making myself fat. <laughs> okay. But you're like, no, no, I'm gonna send an email, I'm gonna write an email, I'm gonna go to these people, I'm gonna call them, I'm gonna send email like yo, you're amazing. We need Aww. we need to clone you like 10 million times. <laughs> 10 million times. But there's already so many Debbie Charles. No, no, like, like you. Forget about those <laughs> the other ones. Those, those the other ones are so good. You know? Oh, thank you. So anyway, so I like did all of this and then um, and honestly, like my dad is the biggest in- inspiration behind this because I saw this happening in my own household and I shared this with, you know, my friends. And I'm fortunate enough to have a, a, a group of friends who were very, very supportive and they shared their own experiences where, you know, their parents are frontline workers. They told me all about it. And I'm like, you know, we delivered like uh, these care packages. There were only a handful of them in the beginning where I gave them to truck drivers, police officers, um, and doctors. And that was just sort of the beginning. And then um, I like, I saw this grant opportunity that was like, you could get grants for up to $1,500. And I'm like, you see the grant, like, how? I, I genuinely, truly, truly believe this. When you 
when you want to achieve something and you want it bad enough, opportunities will arise and mm. you will come across them. Because if you want something and your intentions are in the right place, the opportunity will come knocking at your door and you will take it. Mm. And I think that's so, so important. And I think a lot of immigrants are able to do that. And I think that's why a lot of immigrants are so successful, because if we don't see an opportunity we'll create one mm, we'll create, if there isn't a door we'll make a door and we'll like, <laughs> push right through it mm -hmm. um and i think this was it for me where I saw the opportunity i applied for the grant and the project became so massive i did it like provincially in manitoba first and then i'm like and i got such great feedback and people were like this is incredible like you have no idea how like how much impact this has and i'm like thanks so much and then i reached out to do this like program it was called the rising youth um and they basically also gave you a mentor because this was for you know youth right and i was 15 at the time and i was handling you like, don't need a mentor you are the mentor what are you talking about I, honestly i like I, I consider myself a mentor now but at the time like i was just like i was 15 doesn't was, matter you're killing it you are amazing <laughs> you don't need a mentor you don't need I, anyone to tell you what to do you were oh. doing the thing that you need to do Thank you. So I had a mentor. I'm like, hey, I got like really great feedback. And she helped me so much through the process where I like, you know, consulted with her. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. And it, it like that reassurance, I think, is really important. And she's an immigrant, too. Okay. So it's like immigrants supporting immigrants. And it was great. Um so and I'm like, hey, can I like I want to expand this project? And then we did it nationally. I reached out to individuals in every single province and territory, which I think is so crucial. Wait, like, how did you reach out? Um, I reached out to like my connections. I asked my friends, okay. hey, do you have anyone that's living in this province? Do you it was crazy like it was wild. Like this project is absolutely wild. You are unstoppable. I mean, you oh. are incredible. Like to <laughs> think those two like dude, I'll be like and you know what? I like helping, but I'm going to sit down and watch Netflix instead. No. No, well, you're amazing, man. Like, you, that's amazing for you to do that. Amazing. Thank you. Sorry, I keep on cutting you off. Go continue your story. It's fine. And I like, I, and then we like, I, I'm like, okay, so I have a budget of this amount now. How am I going to divide it up? And then I, every single province and territory got about $500. And for, and we were able to create 16,000 care packages for frontline workers all across Canada, wow. every single territory and province. It was incredible. And that showed me, and that project alone taught me so much more than what I've learned in school. It taught me the importance of having connections. It taught me the importance of time management, it taught me the importance of working forward, moving forward, and that whole idea of like opportunity and That's it was amazing life -changing. Yeah. Life -changing. i can't imagine man how did you decide what to put in the care package you know i didn't like i tried doing like healthier items so i did like pasta sauce and pasta and then i put in like kit kat because hmm. kit kat uh, <laughs> and, like lip balm and keychains and all these different things that were also donated so mm. but things that were like non-perishable items so that people because i wanted to do food because i think food is like food's a love language to my heart food is also just a universe like we talk about food mm -hmm. food's really important and mm. i think at that time also grocery prices were going really high so i'm like you know if i can give a care package that accounts for an individual's 
like meal of the day or something along those lines, mm-hmm. I think I made a difference. Mm-hmm. So, and, how, sorry, go ahead. And I think that's how I decided. Okay. How about, so you said that you help out in different uh, provinces. How did that work? Like, did you send the money to this person and then that person did the thing? Yeah. It, that's exactly it. Like, I reached out to these people and, you know, they, these were people from, like, different age groups, um, identities, blah, blah, blah. And it was a diverse group of people, um, like, from students to, like, adults to families to, like, little programs. Um, and it was, like, I'm, like, this is uh, the amount of grant that you'll be able to receive um please keep track of like the the receipts um this is a blueprint of what i've done and we also were in some provinces we were also able to support like local bakeries and um just like support local in general and i thought that was so so special and Mm -hmm. it wasn't just like that one person doing it like someone took it back to their rotary club i believe this was in alberta and they took it back to their school club and their school club had like 20 people and they spent like a week of like all their lunches just like assembling the care packages delivering it and it's just like it's so amazing to me where people took it like it meant so many different things to different people families did this like and like I can't imagine the impact that it had on those families when they you know came together and they delivered these items um like I also reached out to someone I believe in Newfoundland um and she uh was like a graduating like volleyball player and she like made it to the news as like this local hero and i i'm like wow like that was so heartwarming to me i'm like that's so incredible by the way did she give you credit yeah she better (laughs) no and even if like honestly like all the credit just goes to like the program itself and just like Mm. even the person like it, like there were so many people who could have just said no and they could have just like been like i don't have the time for it but it's like these people chose to accept the project they followed through with it and that's honestly all i could ask for and they like and it's just like they took it so above and beyond to share mm. it with their friends their families their connections it went above and beyond so my next question is when are you gonna run to be a prime minister Okay, you will not believe what I get like asked that question so often. Hells yeah, we're <laughs> waiting. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I love politics. Um, I do student politics. Um, and I'm I'm trying in some capacity to make that change. We'll see where that road leads me. Politics is definitely on the table. I think that's one of the biggest ways someone can influence change in policy. But as of right now, I'm focused on just making change in any capacity possible. You got one vote over here. Oh, this is luck. <laughs> and my family. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to put a gun against their head like, you better vote. <gasps> <laughs> See, I love this. I love when immigrants support each other. It's, no, it, and that's this is why crazy. We're so tight. This is why we're so tight. Yeah, but here's the thing, okay? When I did some research on you, I saw some, you know, interview on TV and whatnot, which is like, what, five minutes, 10 minutes, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I want, from that, I had more questions. And mm-hmm. then you didn't, I wanted to know about the logistics part of like, you had to do all these things, man. That's, yo, what's up? That's power, bro. Thank you. That's amazing. So if there's a little girl or a little boy or whatever, what have you that wants to start something like this. What advice would you give someone that wants to start a program that is something like that, like what you did? 
Mm-hmm. So once again, I think it's very, very important to have, you know, a mentor or someone you can look up to and even just ask questions. I think that's one of the biggest things that helped me. I'm like thankful enough to be a mentor in my own life where I can mentor young kids. And I think that's so like powerful but it's it's important to just have like someone who you can bounce ideas off of Mm. um so that's important but also it's just create opportunity for yourself there's the like the options and the potential is limitless it's like you can create anything you want and i firmly firmly believe in that if you once again have the right intentions the right goal and if you have a clear vision you can create anything and i think it's just looking for opportunities looking for growth having someone to like guide you it can literally be your friend your parents just someone who you can just you know share with and then move forward just problem solve i think that's one of the biggest skills anyone can have problem solve Mm, beautiful i read that you dedicate your free time volunteering and helping your community but what do you do for fun and don't say that's fun that's that's that cool fun. No, it's fun. listen that's cool and everything but there are the things that are fun okay okay i i will say volunteering is very fun i love volunteering and i think with volunteering like i coach right and that's my volunteer i love coaching like i absolutely love coaching sports mm. basketball is one of my favorite sports mm. so i'll play basketball but i'll also coach mm. so i i love that aspect um i also love reading books 10 out of 10 um i love like you know just setting goals like if there's if there's a certain thing like I just want to like get it done as fast as I can. And I think that's fun. Like that's fun to me. I also love cooking. I love like walking. I love just going outside um, and, you know, taking it in. Um, I love hitting the gym. I you work out. I work out. My girl. Love, you know, good stuff, man, man. You are incredible, man. You, that's amazing. I mean, like, I'm so thankful people like you exist. I'm thankful people like you exist. Because, listen, if people like me all just me, nothing will get done. But think, okay, but think about this. I reached out to you telling you how amazing your podcast was. Mm-hmm. And then you made this happen. Like, I never thought I would be on this podcast. Uh, thank you. And I never thought I would, you know, be able to share, like, an immigrant perspective like not never share but like in this capacity i think that's Mm. really special and i like Mm. it's people like it's people like you who empower others and who give the platform and i think that's so important you think so yeah okay if you were here how would i share my story i don't know hey you fed people all over canada do you think you cannot do that are you crazy i think anyone can do that and honestly, my next project, I'll reach out to you and we'll do something together. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, it's it's actually one of my projects coming up this, uh, I believe, July. I'm going to send some money to the Philippines uh, to buy some school products for the kids. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I'm going to try because uh, I do. I, we do it. We do it. But I feel like we don't do it consistently enough. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I also want to have not not typically an organization, but something that somehow kind of organization. Mm-hmm. 
you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm planning to do that. Like people like you, man, dude, you you guys are saints. Thank you. Amazing. No, I I help. I try to help as much as I can. Like, I mean, this community um, and the like Canada in general has given me so much. And I think it's only for if I give back. And mm-hmm. I think I've, I firmly believe this. I think the more you give back, the more you get back. So it's almost selfish of me to like give back as much as I can because I get back so much. So it's not the concept of Seva. It is the concept of Seva. <laughs> you did your research. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Tell the, the listeners what the concept of Seva is. Yes. Um, well, I think this is one of the other things that's so integrated in, within, like, like our culture, um, where it's, like, giving back without expecting anything in return. Because I think in so many, like, cultures around the world, um, there is a concept of Seva, like, just giving back in general. I know that, um, you know, in indigenous cultures, that's a thing. I know in uh, in India, it's obviously a thing. It's a concept in various religions as well, like Hinduism, Christianity, Islam. There's, um, I, like I took a religions class recently and we literally talked about like, it's called Zakat and it's basically just like giving back a part of it. And we just like finished Ramadan too. Um, and w- like my friends tell me about it all the time. And uh, there's a specific part of it where you like, ch- like you actively charitably give back. So I think it's integrated into culture. I know in like even in my religion and my culture um giving back is important um so i think it's integrated i and just the, once again the more you give back the more it comes back i think it's all a cycle yeah definitely but it's so funny because sometimes it really if you think about it like giving out is actually a selfish act it's so selfish it's so selfish because <laughs> you know when you give out you're like oh i feel good yeah Yeah, like i do it because it makes me feel good about myself i try not to do that but you just can't help it you know yeah you feel like a better person like you i feel like a changed person yeah it's just like okay simple thing opening a door for someone right very simple very simple but you know you do it because like i'll feel good yeah like i open the door (laughs) (laughs) but is that selfish? I don't care. I think if you're help- to some extent, I think like selfish to say like you know, but also it's like you're helping someone. At the end of the day, it's that that is what counts. If it makes someone else feel better, and if it, if it makes someone's life easier, I think it's worth it. Yeah, like great example. You coaching the basketball team, right? I yeah. coach the basketball team too. A few really? years ago, yeah, I did. Uh, 13, 14 year old kids. So no, I was talking. So I was talking to my friends about it because I'm just talking shit. <laughs> I said, "Yo, you know, I'm a good person. I volunteer. I'm a coach, whatever, right?" And it's like you're volu- you're coaching because your son is there. Would you coach if your son is not there? And I said, probably not. Mm-hmm. But I told to another friend that she, she said that you still did it. You still volunteered, mm-hmm. right? You still, you still, you still put your time. And when I coach, I coach like I analyze everything. I think I think all coaches are like that. Like all coaches are so like brutal, mm. and they get so into the game. And I think that's what makes a great coach. You know, here's uh, that's one thing I'm so grateful for coaching. 
as kids. Because when I first I coached, I was an assistant coach because I wasn't sure I wanted to learn first. And I was like all about winning. It's mm, win yeah. or, or nothing, or, right? I like, I would yell at kids. I was like, you, you're getting like extra man makers next practice. <laughs> and then I said, I told myself, I said, I don't think I like that person. I don't like that the version of me. So I did a lot of books. I read a lot of uh, podcasting about coaching, read mm. a lot of uh, researching, even psychology of coaching. The next year, I was the head coach, completely different person. I didn't even care about winning. Like wow. winning was important. Let's not get. Let's not. Let's not go crazy. Yes. Yeah. But the winning is the part. It's the result of the process. If you push yeah. the focus on the process. Whatever happens doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I think coaching is the most teaching someone is one of the best mm-hmm. thing that you could ever do. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you agree as a coach as well? One one hundred percent, absolutely. And I think I need to like read the books that you read because I'm still in the mindset that it's all about winning. <laughs> like, I I'm still I get like if I don't I'm never like. I don't know. I just, I don't like the idea of losing and I'm so like... I hate like, it too. I, I, I just don't like losing. Like that's, I hate losing, but you got to let it go. I think that's... Like, I think the ability to like take a no or take a loss is also like something that builds character. Mm. And I think it's also important, but you know, winning is important. Hey, we play <laughs> to win the game. We play right? to win the game. But, but I, like I said, as soon as... I told the kids that, hey, we put our work in the in the practice, like we work hard. Mm-hmm. I promise you, positive things will happen. I'm not yeah. guaranteeing you a win, but mm-hmm. most of the time you will feel good and that's a win. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just exactly. have to let it go. 100%. You, know, you just have to let it go. And trust me, even the best coaches, the number one coaches, Phil Jackson, uh, Coach K from Duke, mm-hmm. they all mm-hmm. say the same thing. They don't, Winning is important, but that's not the most important thing. Exactly. It's exactly. the result, right? It's the, it's the product of your effort. Exactly. And honestly, if you, I don't think like, I don't think, I think sometimes, yes, like even when you put it, your hard work into it you may not yield results right away but they'll come out in a different avenue in life or they'll come out at a a later time in life i don't think hard work will ever go to waste i Mm. think if you try your hardest and things are like your intentions are correct and all like if things are like correct and you try your hardest i don't think losing is ever on the table but even if even if by some shot you like lose i don't think that hard work ever goes to waste no never never listen i think we're there but before we close out i just one more question for you Mm -hmm. what is the thing you are proudest of so far the most and why okay loaded question um i think i am okay this is gonna sound so cheesy but i'm proud of all the immigrants and i'm proud of people like my parents who took the risk who i think like i I was watching this like little reel and it's like you almost have to be a little bit crazy to dream about something or envision something that you can't even see Mm. that you can't even like fathom and i think 
every immigrant has done that at least once in their life. And I'm proud that I am a part of that community and I'm proud that I'm able to represent that community and I'm beyond, beyond thankful for literally all the support that I've received. I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for this community. I'm thankful for every single immigrant that's ever, ever, ever felt that. Mm, beautiful. Listen, Divya, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a fun conversation. I loved it. I loved every part of it. I loved how we connected on it. Um, and once again, thank you for having the avenue and the ability to do this. Um, it makes that much of a difference in an immigrant's life. And this is a conversation that I know I'll always remember. Amazing. Thank you. Have a good evening. Thank you. Bye. Again, Divya, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.